Hi, uh, we are doing this is our second episode of the Wild Take podcast. And where are we right now? We're 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 away for the weekend. We've got a few days off work, so we're we're sitting in our car actually because we needed a quiet place to record. So, but we're at the really nice um, kind of eco guest house. Um, probably about an hour and a half from where we live, and it's in a different kind of landscape from what we're used to. It's more sort of lowland and. You can do horse riding here. We haven't done any horse riding, but there's lots of nice walks, and there's lots of Sitka plantations on the low hills around. But there's also bits and pieces of old oak woodland and uh, hazel, uh, hazel, uh, yeah, hazel, hazel mm-hmm. woods and stuff. Um, there's also quite a few starlings who can imitate horse <laughs> noises. Yeah, that's true, and <laughs> wind chime noises. They go. How do they go? Well, I think you do it better uh, than me. <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, They're just gorgeous little things. And we noticed this morning when we woke up with the window open that um, that this is the, 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 the wood pigeons have started actually singing. So uh, <laughs> they actually do their, their like... How does it go? No, I'm not going to Come on. It, just, it goes... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So they're getting ready, and it's only the second week of. You March, just interrupted so. the pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, and it's just nice to be alive this time of year. Okay. Um, I go to yoga, and my yoga teacher said recently how much we're not really prepared for the spring because we spend the whole winter being really active and running around and doing stuff. Whereas, in fact, most nature is just asleep uh, and we don't really do that. So when spring comes, we don't have that extra energy to give away. But still, I'm I'm finding myself sort of finding that I, I do have that energy somewhere and I'm trying to give it away now. And it's really exciting to be yeah. to be this time of year. So, um, so the exciting news, actually, is that what is the exciting news, Ed? Jeez, okay, so, uh, well, so the ex- the, ex- the very exciting news is that uh, last week we got a call at our place of work from uh, somebody at the National Parks and Wildlife Service, uh, very unexpectedly. Hey, uh, so, okay, it's rolling. <laughs> so, uh, so what happened? Okay, so... Where are we now? Okay, we're sitting in the car outside our place of work. Uh, we just got a phone call from a lady called Lynn. Um, Where is she from? The National Parks and Wildlife Service. Saying that our application for a wild take sparrowhawk chick has been approved. Wow. Which means that we now have the right to to take a chick from a nest under the supervision of the local ranger if we find a nest that has uh, at least three young in it. Is that what you said? Three uh, no, that's my memory of the license. I thought it was four. Anyway, we need to clarify <laughs> that. Anyway, so she's, they're going to issue the license with a list of conditions on the back, the uh-huh. standard conditions, but they don't want to issue the license until um, I tell them what our first preference for the site is. Because I listed on the application like three or four different places, mm-hmm. so we're probably going to um, try and choose what we are going to choose one. Email them to let them know, 
and then we can kind of get stuck in. Man, this is like, this is it, like, this is really exciting. And now, like, all of the kind of, now this is my, I feel like already, like, instantly my mind is a lot more focused, because now it's like a real thing, you know? Like, I was reading books, I've been reading books for the last couple of days, you know, mm-hmm. the Ben Crane book and things like that, and, um, and I, I was, like, finding it absolutely fascinating and interesting, but it's still hypothetical. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it still is hypothetical, but now yeah. it's a bit less hypothetical, mm. you know? Harry, what are you thinking? I, I, I don't know, I think in a way I... I'm not really surprised because I felt like I felt like I think I've I've always felt like they were going to give us a license somehow. I don't know why, because of the way others talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm feeling I'm feeling very calm actually, but I know it's the calm before the storm. <laughs> um. So immediately after we learned about this license, we. I don't know, we kind of had quite a few conversations with you, <laughs> which are quite difficult to talk about on tape, probably, <laughs> in details. Well, um, no, just because it was... It, like, we, we had sort of... We had, I think, individually kind of thought through sort of the implications, if, if it was to go ahead, what the implications would be for our lifestyle and our plans for the what we can do in the next few years, you know? And Potentially seven years. If we're really, really good, yeah, <laughs> it might live for that long. But uh, we hadn't really. We had sort of talked about it, but I think that the 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 news that we'd actually got the license, okay, which means that there's not really any barrier now to us going ahead and doing it. Um, I mean, no, there's no real barrier, right? We can. We, we're now looking for a nest, and it's when we find a nest, it's all in our hands. Yeah. Now that that happened, it really, really made us think very carefully and we ended up having a conversation a couple of big conversations where we just really like thrashed out what our expectations are and our worries are for it and what we're kind of even though we're both behind the idea we we sort of took the time to really try and think through what Mm. we're actually what you give up when you do something like this it's just like what you give up yeah when you get a dog or or you have children you know it's similar kinds of things you know I mean, it's quite serious in terms of time and commitment it will require from us. Like, the amount of travel uh, that we expect to do in the next year will completely be reduced. I mean, not just the next year. I mean, the next year, like, I mean, you know, for the whole of this coming summer and winter, Mm. you know, that's 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 completely intense. You know, it's the first first burst. But I mean, oh look, there's a robin having a dust bath (laughs) in the gravel. Well, partly why we were away this weekend is because we realized that this might be the last time we could actually go away, um, potentially, for this extended period of time before, yeah. before you know... We... And we don't know either. I mean, you know, we might obviously we'll put, put the bird in the, in the, you know, you have hunting season, then you have a kind of molt, you know, and during, the, during, during sort of uh, summer, like early summer, and, um, and we, and, you know, and, you know, and that... You know, we can't leave for that really either, you know. I mean, I'm still not clear about exactly, you know, what, you know, I I, I want to go into this knowing that we can do it all ourselves and we're prepared to do it all ourselves and it's possible mm-hmm. that, we'll, that we'll be able to get a bit of help every so often mm-hmm. from from colleagues, you know, that mm-hmm. we know we can trust. Yeah. And that kind of thing, um, that we know, they know very well what they're doing, you know. But even so, 
that's got to yeah. be the exception. That's got to be the occasional thing. So, you know, so yeah, for 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 like for, for us to think that we've got to we've got to make this decision knowing that we might not be able to go and visit my family who is in Russia or Ed's family who is in Scotland and not potentially visit our friends or do any other projects that we'll have to do that involve going that away involve going away or even having spare time to do other things like we just got this canoe and you know we might not be able to use it for a while yeah. and we're talking about uh so we're talking about from now we're spending we're already spending almost every evening looking for plucking posts and nests and that's going to extend into the summer when hopefully we get a chick then we will be basically hunting training with it, training and, and hunting. hunting with it until late february early march you know next year so that's a big chunk of our time so we're not taking this lightly <laughs> it's not a kind of decision that we're just kind of like oh yeah right, so well. we're like Okay, so we've like okay, so we now like listed loads of reasons why, or like reasons against it. So yeah. we've got sort of like we can't travel together. So maybe one of us can travel individually, but we can't travel together. We can't travel together anywhere. We'll our evenings, our summer evenings will be taken up. Our winter weekend weekends will be taken up. Um, we're going to be. Um, uh, we're going to be unable to sort of yeah, uh, do our like the other projects that we have an interest in. So and having so having this stress and the stress that we will put on us as well. So yeah, that's uh, you know yeah. because we are beginners and we are, you know, we're going to be learning a lot of the stuff as we go along. So there's a lot of stress involved. And potential for conflict. <laughs> but, but yeah, but there's a bit. There's a big but. Okay, yeah, because we what, are still deciding to do it. Yeah, we're still deciding to do it exactly. So, so and having why? so having like listed all of these huge big, big list of things why it would be why it's crazy and it's going to like ruin our relationship and this it's is like a really bad idea. Like, we're, why are we still doing it then? Because <laughs> it's because hunting and spending time with a bird just gives me personally such enormous pleasure and. There was. I was just thinking about how much we, you know, hunted with Beltra and stuff, and spent time with her. And I just did not feel a second that I was wasting time or I want that I wanted to do something else. Mm. You know, every single day we hunted with her from August. It wasn't every single day, but every, no, especially for, towards the, the start, end, we did every yeah, single we did. day, and we didn't want to do anything else. No. Um, because because it's a it's a great opportunity and, and sparrowhawks are amazing animals. Yeah. I think I think we're going to learn a great deal about ourselves and about nature. I'm, I feel like I'm already learning a lot about sparrowhawks just by looking at the searching for for their nests. And, yeah, absolutely. And what what was it you read? Where they come from and where they live. And you read something about the something about falconry in the. Nick Fox book about something about how falconry is like prepares you for life. Oh, he does this a bit like in Nick Fox's book. It's called uh, Understanding the Bird of Prey, and I don't have the book here, but he has this amazing final chapter called The Philosophy of the Falconer, where he, he like he sort of lays out the benefits that that falconry gives you for life, and it's like he <laughs> sounds so old fashioned, <laughs> and so he sounds very old fashioned, but actually, you know, but he actually at one point he ends up talking about how. Um, like you know assessing the field and um you know noting small details like the position of that particular bush and how you're going to how it's going to affect your the slip it prepares you for your dealings in the boardroom or something <laughs> I was like, oh god he kind of lost me there but um 
but yeah, no, it's, he sort of talks about um, how it prepares you for life and uh, or how. No, and but how it's it, because it's it gives you this intense relationship, you know, with an animal, uh, especially an animal like a bird. It's not a dog. It's it's different. It's different from any other animals. Uh, a bird of prey is never fully domesticated. <laughs> it's mm. always a wild being, and it's it's really it's really amazing, really. So we'll. I don't know. What What do you think? What 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 is it in it for you? I mean, why Why do you still want to do it despite all those things? I don't know. It's partly that it, it's got a lot to do with just like wanting to sort of yeah to kind of get involved with to get in you know like that's what to get involved basically you know that's one of the things that he says in the Nick Fox book is like you know when people sort of wonder that when people want. The, when people wonder what the attraction is of hunting with a bird of prey, or what of the attraction of maybe of, of hunting in, in in general, but I think actually maybe the, the case for saying this is true about falconry is much stronger. That like that that you're not just like at the window looking in. He says like you're in the party. <laughs> Like you're, you're not you're, just like you're, studying you're just, an animal you're, you're, from you're, far away. Exactly, not standing, you're, 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 not you're, in, at you're in the party. You're involved. You know, this is you know the, the kind of the kind of predation, especially with uh, a native bird of prey mm. like the sparrowhawk. You know, this is the kind of kind of thing that's going on. Sparrowhawks are all over this countryside, mm. hunting successfully, doing these amazing chases and mm -hmm. like surviving by their wits and their like fitness. You know, all the time in their thousands around this country, and mm. hunting with a sparrowhawk means if you're any good at it means uh being involved yeah. with that huge party i mean mm -hmm. it's a party of life and death it's, but yeah. it's a it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of a yeah i think it's like it's i think you said it right i think i think if i think about it carefully i think i just have this strong desire to really connect with nature you know just not just connect with nature like humans connect with nature by going to the zoo or looking at you know watching nature programs or you know going camping or something but really actually being part of nature to really feel you know what it feels to be part of nature and i think this is the experience that to an extent we've already felt it with beltra but i think it will be very different when we have our own bird and we have to actually raise it from a chick and the connection and the bond we'll have with it will be so completely different and and I'm just really really excited about it it's, I always have to remember not to get too stressed out and actually remember how how much joy it's going to be to do all those things you know and it's already amazing I mean like what we've been doing like recently tell, tell me about like the Talk, yeah. Let's talk about the exciting things. So this is the thing: is uh, you would say about you have to remember to you sort of remember to enjoy it and everything like that. And that's definitely something we're going to have to remember going forward. Because I think, especially for me, like I, I always there's always the risk that anxiety is about unknown future things just kind of dampen down, mm. dampen down your ability to kind of get excited. Like I am, ex I am excited about it all, but, but I don't sound excited, excited. <laughs> when I say when I say I'm excited. It sounds like I'm totally bored. <laughs> But I am, I am really excited. But, I, but it's always, always completely tempered by, by, you know, this sort of huge, huge, sort of world cloud of, of mm. possible things that can go wrong, and mm. that we have to get right. And I guess that that's kind of that. You know, that's just the way I am. And also, you know? like our like fear that we're not good enough, and it's not going to be, we're not going to be skilled enough as falconers and knowledgeable enough to really. 
you know, do a good job and, you know, just kind of not trusting our own abilities in a way, mm. I suppose. Yeah. But I feel, yeah, we're just going to try and do our best, you know. But when you're actually in the moment and actually doing it, that's, for me, when the excitement and the fun is going to be, you know, nothing's going to affect that. You know, mm -hmm. it's like the anxieties will be gone because in the mm -hmm. moment when you're actually doing something or even in the pro in the act of solving a problem, mm -hmm. that and it's, you know, anxieties disappear because you're dealing with a specific problem, mm -hmm. you know. And so that's why it's been so much fun looking for a plucking post. Like that's why yeah. that's that's what we've been doing, looking for a plucking post, looking for plucking posts, looking for nesting sites, wherever we've been you know, after work every day. We've been going to different parts of the woods. We come away to for a weekend away. Yesterday, we were just going to go for a walk up a hill. But we ended up just immediately going off the track, and we never got. We we just went. We just explored woods. Basically, we found all sorts of exciting things. We found we were in the Sitka plantations uh, and open oak woodlands, and we found evidence of sparrowhawks mm -hmm. uh, in both of those types of places. And in the in that, it's just totally fun. There's no. It's, there's nothing. Yeah. It's like foraging yeah. for food or something. It's like you kind of lock into the same mindset mm. of like looking at the ground and looking for things or looking for like archaeology for me i was just thinking how much it reminds me of doing being an archaeological dig because we've done that before you just go and it's just a similar feeling of you looking for little fragments around you you know and it just gives you everything you find just gives you part of the whole picture of what's happening and where the actual nest might be but then you'll never have the whole picture of what sparrowhawks lives are you know you kind of just try and guess like okay so he plucked it here and then he maybe plucked it there and then was he looking at the nest because actually it, very interestingly what was that email from martin maloney that you got he described really really well how to find a nest well because um, in relation to the plucking post so he so martin maloney his name's mentioned in the ben crane book he's part of the irish raptor study group where he was or is he is and he's been keeping records on sparrowhawk nests for more than 50 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I emailed him uh, to try and get a bit of just any, some advice, you know, tips, just to make contact with him. And he wrote back saying, describing what, you know, a lot of things that are similar to what we've heard, you know, plucking posts look like this, they're roughly this, you know, 20, 30 meters from a nest. And then, but then one thing that was really cool that stuck out was like looking at the where the mutes are, where the droppings are, which side of the plucking post are on, mm -hmm. because that'll show you which way the male is facing, because he's going to be facing the nest, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really it's amazing. A, it's, it's, it's really like you say, it's like archaeology in a way, because yeah. you have to. It's a, it's partly kind of deduction, yeah. but also imagination. Yeah. You know, you know, there's a lot of imagination going on. You have to just kind of imagine like what he'll be looking why would he be looking at at the nest from the plucking post because he's so committed to his nest and his female who's sitting there hungry and the, the chicks and he's just he's just kind of looking and they're probably looking back at him from from the tree and he's plucking it and and sort of looking at them and going like yeah yeah i'm, I'm coming it's coming it's coming i'm bringing it to your nest <laughs> it's really exciting because we we actually so we we looked for plucking posts not only here in this place where we are right now but also quite close to where we work and we're in the mixed woodland uh, among sort of rhododendron and some pine trees and and some other things and some other things as well like beach and then i'm actually just now i'm looking straight ahead and through the woodland you can see a clearing which is like a really long field, field. and obviously it's a very beautiful and nice spot to be 
hunting from if you're a sparrowhawk. So, well, I'm projecting obviously, but <laughs> uh, it seems like this was a favorite spot. So there's lots of um, very nice dry mossy stumps around and that's where we're looking for things. And there we found the most evidence of sparrowhawks. And what did we find? We found carcasses, well, sort of bones. We found bones. You found beaks. We just found, we just found um, a, an upper and lower mandible from uh, what we think is probably, what is it, a jackdoid. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, what else do you see here? Well, there's a lot of um, feathers on this tree stump. There's a lot oh, yeah. of tree stump covered in moss. Tiny, that's like a black, that's a blackbird, isn't it? Lots of the place where we're looking at was more like several placking posts. It wasn't just one. There was like five or six, and they were all kind of around this mixed woodland, but predominantly Sitka spruce, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, but there is really signs of plucking everywhere, not just this stump. We've seen signs of plucking in several places now, around what we're talking about, like the ter I don't know, like 20 meters around? Yeah? Yeah, that's how far we've wandered. And you found... What, what? Pine Martin. No, I didn't. It wasn't a Pine Martin, and it wasn't a stoat <laughs> either. We, well, yeah, we thought it was a... Uh, I got so excited. <laughs> look, look, I think this is a stoat or something. Wait a second. <gasps> and there's some bones look at that. here. Wow. Look at that, look at that, look at that. That's a stoat skull. Look at that, that's beautiful. Look how long it is. Isn't that amazing? Look, look, that's his jaw. <gasps> look, look, look. That's, oh yeah, look, 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 look. The, they're little bones. They're little bones here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Why, why would a stoat... Do you think... Do you think... No, look, that's, that's, look, look, this is ribs. The entire <gasps> thing just died here. We've got a skeleton. We found a completely beautiful sitting on skeleton. Beautiful, just sitting on this mossy stump with the, like nice clean ribs all spread out and this beautiful, lovely flat skull and I just like think of a stoat, it's a stoat, it's a stoat and then... That is so beautiful. I was sort of handing, holding my hands and I was like, looking at the teeth and I was like, Ed, you idiot. It's a rat. Wow, little teeth. They're very long front teeth. <laughs> What an amazing spot. Yeah, really amazing. <laughs> there's always a reason why. You don't know why, do you? Well, you don't always know why, but you always find out there's some reason why you went there. I'm going to take a picture of this. It's amazing. We've really, we, we haven't found any nests yet. That's, that's, just want to mention that we have not actually found a nest. But we found, we know of several places where we still want to explore. And we found some plucking posts. And I think we're getting better idea. Yeah. Um, and you've been reading the books a lot. Yeah. Now, now that we've we know that we've got this license, you know, suddenly everything is relevant. Before I was like picking and choosing what I wanted to read, what I found most interesting. But mm -hmm. now everything seems important. So yeah, I'm reading with a kind of a lot more focus than I was before. Mainly the Ben Crane book. Mm -hmm. There's there's one thing that we really realized in the last sort of few weeks since we made the first episode is that no matter how much you prepare yourself and talk to people and read every single sparrowhawk and actually every bird is individual so we will only really know uh, what we need and how we need to train it once we know it better so it's it's all good to prepare we will obviously try and prepare ourselves as much as we can and every knowledge will be very useful 
but we will never really we will not know exactly what is relevant until we get to yeah. know the character of the bird because it could be disaster yeah. i mean it could be disaster because it could be different very aggressive very antisocial <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's if it's really good to prepare for the worst i think maybe best to hope for the best <laughs> We did see a female spar displaying over our work. Oh, yeah. I saw it. Um, you did, yeah. Well, not displaying. I don't know. She was she was on the saw. She was like she was like flap 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 glide, and she sort of glided down and down. That was the other thing which Martin Maloney said, which was really cool. Which he talked about the display flights. He said if you go out in the morning, looking over the top of these conifer plantations or conifer forests, you'll see. The male and and I hadn't picked this up from other sources about the display flight that the, the the male often like his final descent will be down roughly towards where he plans for the nest to be. Mm. You know, I hadn't really picked that up. So that's well, what is a display flight? Because I think a lot of people might not know for listening. I don't. Well, what does it look like? Well, it's, I, I mean, I'm not really sure. I think I think basically it's sort of it's sort of like a lot of birds display flights. I don't know. I'm, I mean, maybe I should look up a video or something. But I, I think it's a kind of it's sort of it's, it's sort of flapping flight. Climbing and then and then a kind of then kind of some swoops, mm-hmm. you know, some like long, long glides down, and then up again and then flat, 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 flat. They can also do food pass, no? Sometimes, or is it with other species? I don't think sparrowhawks do that. No, I don't. I don't think so. Hmm. We should probably find and put a video on. on See if you can find something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I think that's all on the agenda. Uh, Really excited and really terrified, Ed and Anya. <laughs> yeah, very, very excited and very, very, very terrified. Um, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Right, we're going back to our um, luxury eco resort. I think you're just thinking about another coffee. <laughs> I think I think we should have another coffee. Right, guys. Uh, you soon. Thanks for listening yeah. and we'll, we'll speak to you soon again. Wait, how do how do sparrowhawks call to each other? The screaming. Screaming. The they, they do a kind of are you oh. that's, that's that's pretty good. That's a uh, sparrowhawk screaming uh, for a mate in spring. Heartbreaking. <laughs>